Welcome to Today on Broadway for Wednesday, August 16th, 2023. I'm Broadway Radio's Matt Timoney. I'm here by myself again, but fortunately for you, I believe this will be our final day without Grace, at least according to my calendar, and hopefully there's no transatlantic mishaps that will keep her grounded on the other side of the ocean for too much longer. So she will be able to be back and joining us tomorrow on the show. But if you need me talking to somebody else in your ears, you don't want to just listen to me by myself. In both of the feeds, whether you're listening in Patreon or in the regular feed, I have a new episode of Tell Me More, in which I spoke with two of the stars of the Uncle Vanya that is playing in a loft down by Union Square. I spoke with stage and screen star Julia Chan and Tony Award winner David Cromer about the production. We had a wonderful conversation, a wonderful chat. So hopefully you will get an opportunity to listen to that. Two of the dynamic and and incredibly powerful stars of that production. So check that out in your podcast feeds. I also wrapped up my travelogues for the show on Monday. So you can go back and listen to that if you haven't had the opportunity. The last one went into the Patreon feed pretty late on Monday, but I chronicled my trip to the Walter Kerr Theater to see the final performance of Town for Eva Noblezada. I also threw in some clips uh, that I recorded of the curtain speech and then also that director Rachel Chafkin put on her social media. So you can listen to that and hear me gush about how great Eva Noble Zada is. One of the things I said in that episode is, is that the performances of The Great Gatsby at the Paper Mill Playhouse are beginning while I'm in town in October. And I went ahead and did it. I bought a ticket for the first preview. So I will try to figure out how to get to Milburn, New Jersey on October 12th, I think. October 12th, yeah to see what is absolutely a, uh, an incredible cast. And I think I spoiled one of the castings. At least I've been operating under the assumption that what I was told is true, but I don't know if it's actually been announced. So if you head over to the Patreon, you might hear one of the uh, other stars who is joining the show beyond Eva Noblezada and Jeremy Jordan, uh, which I, I think is still true, but I don't know if it has actually been announced. So you can check that out. All right, let's get into the news today, and we're going to start off with the announcement of the initial casting for the Broadway run of Prayer for the French Republic. Interestingly enough, this is directed by David Cromer, who I spoke with in the podcast feeds yesterday. I talked to him the day before it was announced, so we didn't discuss this at all. Although, if we had, I I think there would have to be some questions that I would have to ask him that were probably a little bit less comfortable than the conversation we had on Monday before this was announced, but I will get to that here in a second. As you likely remember, the show had a critically acclaimed run off-Broadway from Manhattan Theatre Club, and now it is making the transfer to the company's Samuel J. Friedman Theatre, beginning performances on December 19th, with an opening night on Tuesday, January 9th. The folks continuing with the production from the off-Broadway run are Betsy Adem, Francis Benamu, who won both the Lucille Lortel Award and the Drama Desk for her performance in this, Ari Brand, Molly Ranton, and Nancy Robinette, But there are two folks who are joining this production who are not in the original run. They are multi-Emmy Award nominee and Goose himself, Anthony Edwards and Arya Shagasemi. Edwards will be playing the role of Patrick, which was played by Richard Topple off-Broadway. And then uh, Shagasemi will be playing Daniel, which was played by Yair Bendor. If you are unfamiliar with what Prayer for the French Republic is about, It's a long three-hour show with two intermissions, so forgive me that I'm not going to remember all of the actual intimate details about the show. That has nothing to do with the quality of the show, the quality of the writing. That just has to do with the way my mind works. But there are multiple timelines in this play, which was written by Joshua Harmon. 
Part of it is set in 1944, where a Jewish couple in Paris desperately awaits news of their missing family, obviously surrounding uh, things with World War II. And then more than 70 years later, the couple's great-grandchildren find themselves facing the same question as the, uh, their ancestors. Are we safe? So this is interesting to me because this is a show that is very much rooted in the rise of right-wing anti-Semitism, both in the 1940s and today, that we've seen quite a bit in, in Europe with the parallel rise in fascism as well. And so I've already seen some people online questioning some of the castings. As far as I can tell in the cursory internet research that I did, neither Anthony Edwards or Ari Shagasemi are, are Jewish. Shagasemi is an Iranian-American, and Anthony Edwards has always said that his background was German and Irish. Now again, just because I couldn't find it online does not mean that they do not have uh, Jewish roots, either ethnically or religiously, so I don't know. But on the heels of everything that we saw with the Funny Girl National Tour casting Katerina McCrimmon and the dust stuff that we talked about with that, I would be even more surprised about this show casting people who didn't have some sort of Jewish heritage in these roles in a show that is about anti-Semitism, especially because the show is written by a Jewish playwright and is directed by a Jewish director, even though uh, David Cromer has described himself as vaguely Jewish uh, in, in the past. And the people that they were replacing in that original cast are Jewish. So as we've talked about before, the, being somebody who does not subscribe to any religious faith whatsoever, I'm not necessarily the, the person whose opinion on this matters the most, but I think a lot of people's consensus and people that I've talked to in and around the industry, Jewish people, non-Jewish people, that when it comes to roles that might be Jewish, but the character's Judaism has nothing really to do with the story being told, everybody seems to be generally fine with casting whomever for that role. However, for characters whose Jewishness, either ethnically or religiously, plays a huge part in the story being told, that is where we start to see people getting frustrated with that type of casting. And again, just like we said with Katerina McCrimmon, I, I don't know all of these actors' background. There is nothing easily discernible online to indicate that they are Jewish. But it is something that I, I think will have to be discussed and will continue to be discussed. I've already seen it discussed online. It's a very complicated conversation, but I think it's one especially combining Prayer for the French Republic and Funny Girl that a lot of people are going to be rightly upset about. And it's a conversation that is probably going to have to be had and will likely find its way into some of the writing about the show and in some of the social media conversation as well. But it was an incredibly heralded show when it ran off Broadway. And I would imagine that it will continue to do so because it really is a powerful piece. So I hope that if there is any sort of controversy around that, it doesn't derail the message of the show getting out. But it does seem like a curious decision to cast two people who do not appear to be Jewish, not physically, but based off of uh, internet presences. Now, I will say, for me, again, someone with little to no skin in the game, I do think that this is a slightly different situation than with Funny Girl because the authors of that show are no longer alive. Also, that show is based on a real person. Joshua Harmon, still very much alive and more than likely intimately involved with this production. It is also completely fictional. 
So having the author's voice involved in the production to whatever extent it is, we don't know, but I would assume considering that authors own their rights and they can make whatever stipulations they likely want, and they do have far more control over uh, things like casting than their counterparts do on TV and film. I think that provides some more nuance to the conversation, considering that presumably Joshua Harmon is comfortable with this casting. Again, don't know 100% for sure. I'm making a lot of assumptions here. I understand that, but I do think that's a little bit different than the situation with a revival of a musical based on a real person in which all of the original authors are no longer with us. I, I do think that that just does add some more wrinkles that have to be considered when judging the levels of concern over this casting. All right, let's move on to another show uh, that very much touches on anti-Semitism, and this is the London production of Cabaret. Yesterday, the show announced that there will be a new set of stars that'll be heading over to the Kit Kat Club beginning on Monday, September 25th. Taking over as the MC will be rock star Broadway alum and musical theater composer Jake Shears. And playing the role of Sally Bowles will be Rebecca Lucy Taylor, who is also known as Self Esteem. Self Esteem is a European pop star. Jake Shears is half of the Grammy-nominated multi-platinum-selling Scissor Sisters. He also co-wrote the music for the new musical Tammy Faye, along with Elton John that had a sold-out run and won two Olivier Awards last year in London's West End. They will be replacing Mason Alexander Park, and Maud Apatow, who are currently in those roles now. Grace saw the show when she was in London. Of course, Grace is a good friend with Mason Alexander Park, who is playing the MC. All right, let's get into last week's Broadway grosses. There are only 25 shows currently running on Broadway, and that was down from the previous week. We had 26. So the grosses declined 8% to come in at $27,655,508. The attendance also dipped, but not as much as the grosses, interestingly enough. It was only 5% declined to come in at $218,877. The top grossing show was The Lion King. It came in at $2,468,402. It was followed by Hamilton at $1.9 million, Funny Girl at $1.88, Wicked at $1.81, and Sweeney Todd again, seven performances, at $1.7 million. The rest of the shows in descending order that were north of $1 million were Aladdin, MJ, Cursed Child, Back to the Future, and Juliet in Moulin Rouge. Goodnight, Oscar, and Here Lies Love were both pretty close within shouting distance of seven figures. 18 of the 25 shows that were currently running on Broadway last week played to 90% capacity or more. In fact, two productions, Hadestown and Hamilton, played to over 100%. Obviously, Hadestown, a lot of people were trying to see Eva Noblezada before she left. That was also evidenced by the fact that Hadestown had the highest week-to-week increase, picking up an extra $127,774. Just For Us was the only other show with a six-figure increase. Of course, that show is coming to an end this week, so likely people trying to get in to see that one as well. There were only a total of seven shows that saw weekly numbers in the black, but only two saw six-figure declines, which is Wicked and Back to the Future. Both of them are doing fine. So overall, a a moderately good week on Broadway. Even if it was down overall, it probably could have been a lot worse. 
It's interesting because when I was in town, I talked with a lot of people, a lot of friends in and around the industry, and there are folks who are legitimately concerned about how things are going right now with ticket sales and tourism, and there are so many open houses. There are currently 16 open houses on Broadway right now. By the end of the month, that number will increase by two to get up to 18. Now, of course, there are a number of shows that are going to begin performances. Melissa Etheridge, Come to My Window, beginning performances at the Circle in the Square Theater on September 14th. We have Merrily We Roll Along, beginning performances at the Hudson on September 19th. Gutenberg, the musical, begins performances at the James Earl Jones on September 15th. Pearly Victorious begins performances on September 17th at the Music Box. And Yaya's African Hair Braiding begins performances on September 12th at the Samuel J. Friedman Theater. So that will obviously get some things going again, but there are currently, as of now, 10 houses on Broadway that do not have a show for the rest of the year. Of course, that could change, especially if things want to come in, you know, in November or close to the holidays, but we're getting to the point where that's fairly close to being difficult. Uh, there's still another probably month or so for that to happen, but 10 theaters without an occupant heading into the holidays is that's a little scary. There's a lot of folks that are that are nervous about the way things are going and all of the excitement that came up out of the pandemic and so many shows wanting to come to Broadway. I don't know if it was folks were too much in a rush to get things in there and then they fizzled out too quickly, but a lot of people are nervous about, about how the industry is going right now. So we'll keep an eye on that. We'll keep watching the grosses and see what happens. And hopefully some of these theaters that are open on my spreadsheet here, I'm able to pencil some stuff in sooner rather than later. All right, in some other news, yesterday the Broadway League, New York City Media and Entertainment, and MasterCard announced details for the fall version of Broadway Week. It will run for two weeks, as it always does, uh, beginning September 4th through the 17th, and theatergoers can get two-for-one tickets to over 20 Broadway shows. They are Anne Juliet, Aladdin, Back to the Future, A Beautiful Noise, Book of Mormon, Chicago, Town, Hamilton, Cursed Child, Here Lies Love, Yaya's African Hair Braiding, Kimberly Akimbo, The Lion King, MJ the Musical, Moulin Rouge, Once Upon a Time, Pearly Victorious, Shucked, Six, Some Like It Hot, Sweeney Todd, The Cottage, The Shark is Broken, and Wicked. They do this twice a year, once in the fall, once in the early spring, late winter, when things kind of die down around Broadway, this obviously begins the week after Labor Day. So everybody is back in school. Tourism starts to die down in New York City. So a great way to save. Of course, you have to pay the full regular price for the one ticket that you buy. So the other one is is free. So it is still a deal. Not as good of a deal if you were able to get a discount or TKTS for both of them, but it is a deal. We'll have more information in the show notes if you want to check that out. Another cool story. Yesterday, we talked about the fact that one of the show's composers, Fat Boy Slim, was going to be doing a DJ session after performance of Here Lies Love. Well, yesterday, Here Lies Love announced the first of its kind collaboration on Broadway with the Parent Artist Advocacy League, the PAAL, Broadway Babysitters, and Open Jar Studios, because the new musical will have three matinee performances that will be accompanied by free childcare. The first one will happen on Saturday, September 23rd at 3.30 p.m. The other two will be announced at a later date, but anyone who buys a ticket to the show that day for the matinee is eligible to sign up for free childcare just a few blocks away from uh, the Broadway theater over at Open Jar Studios. Space is limited though, so if you wanna do it, if you wanna take advantage of this, head over to the show notes and there's an email address that you can send um, a message to. And I don't know if they need some sort of proof of purchase, but 
that is how you can get a little free babysitting so you can head over to the theater to see this very unique show. I imagine that if you were taking your kid to free babysitting so you can see a Broadway show, maybe you don't wanna be standing uh, for the show, so maybe you'll wanna take advantage of one of the seats in the Broadway theater, but either way, that should be cool. All right, I am running a little long here, even though I am by myself. So I've just got three recommendations that I wanna send over. There's a new trailer for the London production of Six. And at this point that show has been running for so long that I normally wouldn't talk about that, but it's completely captured via a drone. So it's kind of cool. Um, so check that one out. Then yesterday, the phenomenal Melissa Errico posted a video. I think it's from Seth's Broadway Cruise in which Seth Rudetsky is on the piano and Raul Esparza steps up on stage and they do a duet from Sunday in the Park with George, which they've done together. They do uh, they do Moving On and Raul shares some thoughts about uh, some conversations he had with Stephen Sondheim about doing that. Also heard a rumor that Raul Esparza might be coming back to Broadway. So keep an eye on that. And finally, the teaser trailer for Bradley Cooper's upcoming film Maestro was released. The film is a biopic for the legendary Leonard Bernstein. Cooper not only plays Bernstein, but he also directs it and co-wrote it. The film is set to be released in theaters on November 22nd before it hits Netflix on December 20th. Also in the film are Carrie Mulligan, Matt Bomer, Maya Hawke, Sarah Silverman, Josh Hamilton, Gideon Glick, Miriam Shore, Scott Ellis, and others. All right, everybody, that is all that we have for today. Thanks for listening to Today on Broadway. Follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Broadway Radio. And you can follow me anywhere on social media at BWWMAT. All right, have a wonderful hump day. And Grace and I, fingers crossed, I believe, will be back to talk to you tomorrow. Uh-huh.